Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Your daily Premier League podcast. It might be Monday, but the Premier League weekend is far from over. A double dose of Monday night football to preview for you tonight as West Bromwich Albion travel to Brighton, searching for their first win of the season. And Burnley hosts Jose Mourinho's Spurs at Turf Moor, but should Gareth Bale start against the Clarets? Plus, last night saw the Arsenal slayer Jamie Vardy bag the winner against the Gunners as Leicester picked up all three points at the Emirates. Brendan Rodgers says the striker is world-class, but do we agree? Plus, Floodlight Focus looks at Liverpool, where Keith from the LFC Day Trippers podcast will talk to us all about the Reds, including what the hell has happened to Virgil van Dijk. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall, and alongside me to discuss the action on this Monday morning, we've got Matt Pidd. Hi, Matt. All right, guys. And we've also got Marley Anderson. How are you doing, Marley? Yeah, very good, guys. Hello. Now, Marley, the last time you had a week off, because you were away last week, um, you ended up mm. going up to Cumbria. And you did the same this time around. But I remember you coming back on the podcast on a Monday morning and say that your trip up to Cumbria involved someone urinating on a cash machine. So just wondering <laughs> if uh, anything else of that ilk has happened to you in your trip back up uh, back up to the north. Uh, no, I was in a slightly different area this time around. I was in one of the more touristy areas. Um, so it was quite nice up there. Um, I did go to that, uh, the same place, actually, um, where I seen the the man weighing on a cash machine, and funnily enough, the cash machine is obviously attached to a bank on the inside that's been there for years. And since the last time I went back, the um, the bank is now a takeaway. <laughs> is <laughs> the cash um, machine out of order? <laughs> no, the cash machine still works for some reason. I don't know what I don't know what's going on with it. But um, from the from the takeaway, my uh, my fiance got a. Um, uh, a wrap, which was, as you'd expect, you'd probably expect it to be like, a, you know, a foot long. It was, it was two feet long and full of donna meat, and oh. it would cost about seven quid. And it was, <laughs> it, you could have, if you hit someone with it, you could have killed them. It was ridiculous, <laughs> oh, unbelievable. I can't remember what the last town. time I had a doner kebab. Honestly, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've had a doner kebab. Although I'm not sure that story about a two foot ten pound wrap 
is <laughs> it's really convincing me. Yeah, anyway, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk less about the takeaways and more about the Premier League as Arsenal ended up losing to Leicester last night. Um, if you had listened to the yesterday's review show with Fergal and the gang, you would notice that they didn't talk about this game. That's because the game was taking place whilst they were recording the podcast. So Arsenal nil, Leicester City 1 was the final score. Now, my first question, Matt, would be, is this just typical... Arsenal FC they had all the pressure in the game Leicester were content to sit back and soak it up and yet they couldn't find a way through Leicester ended up scoring and winning the game by a goal to nil it's just inconsistent Arsenal and it's not the first time we've said it on the podcast no not at all Arsenal are well known for their inconsistencies but since Arteta's come in it's sort of like it took um, a little bit of a backseat there was a little bit more like um, there, was, there was a little bit more metal about Arsenal they looked a little less inconsistent and a lot more likely just to uh, to grind out the win if they weren't playing as well but yesterday I think Leicester's tactics won them the game Leicester set up um, it, was, it sort of reminded me of Leicester 15-16 they were soaking up the pressure from Arsenal they let Arsenal have the ball and then whenever the opportunity arose Leicester played the ball over the top and tried to catch him on the counter and even more so when when Vardy came on the pitch and I think it was just basically Brendan Rodgers just was his tactics were just better than Arteta's on on the night Arsenal had um, their, their their own chances they had more of the ball but we all know in the game of football it doesn't matter how much of the ball you have it's the fact that you put it in the net and the the, the chance Leicester had they took and I think that's um that's testament to, to Brendan Rodgers because he recognised what the game needed. He recognised that he needed that little bit more pace with Varda, second half. Obviously, he didn't start the game. And as soon as he came on, you just seen the threat straight away. You had you had Barnes, you had Madison, you had uh, Thielmans playing the ball over the top and we all know how good it is at that. So, yeah, I, I, th- I think it was just more, more so Leicester um, just doing one over on Arsenal yesterday, just doing a good job on them. Yeah, and it wasn't just a defeat for Arsenal, Marley. It was a couple of injuries as well. David Luiz and Bukayo Saka both got injured. I mean, considering the Europa League schedule is well underway now, that's going to be bad news for Mikel Arteta and for Arsenal. Um, you know, especially at the back where they have had their defensive problems and Saka looks like a, a bright player for them in the future anyway. So, yeah, not great news for Mikel Arteta there with those two injuries. Yeah, no, um, I think maybe Arsenal fans will maybe be less bothered about Luiz getting injured um, because you've got you know, they've got enough centre-backs to cope with that however when you've seen um, the guys that they're playing I mean Mustafi has never looked good enough to, to play um, at the top sort of the top sort of portion of the league where Arsenal want to be he's always looked a bit suspect um, so with him coming on yesterday I think that could be an issue for them um, I don't know what Arteta's doing with Mikel um with Mikel Arteta, with uh, William Saliba, um, who he's brought in from San Etienne last year. And then he's, I don't know what's going on with him. I think there's something about his personal life or something, but he's not getting in the squad. Um, there was talk of him getting loaned out before the, the window closed and that didn't happen. And I don't know whether whether he's going to have a future at Arsenal and he's barely even started. So um, maybe that's something they can bring in. But Saka is starting to really sort of nail down his place now I think he started ahead of Pepe yesterday and mm. when you look at Saka sort of getting injured and you look at on the on the bench and you think um, right well they've got a £72 million winger on the bench so his, his impact can't really it shouldn't be that big well it is because Pepe is 
just he's all over the place. Sometimes he's great, and most of the time he's he's sort of a four or five out of ten guy. So it's it could be a little bit of a problem. I think he, Arteta has certainly had an impact, um, a positive impact on Arsenal. I still think they're a good team that can that can do good things this season, but there are still problems to sort out, uh, and it's in them classic positions. It's it's at the back. Um, and also, Aubameyang hasn't hasn't. I think has he scored one goal this season or no goals? I'm not he's sure. Been rubbish. He's in my fantasy team. He's been shocking. Same as well. Same. And Bellerin. What am I doing? Not a good weekend what for you, mate. I need to get rid of all these Arsenal players. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Aubameyang needs to start scoring. Maybe try and play him down the middle or something. Um, but yeah, there's, there's there's issues there for Arsenal, which is the story of the last decade of their uh, their club, I think. I'm glad you mentioned William Saliba because um, he came from Saint-Étienne and Leicester actually have a centre-half that they've bought from Saint-Étienne called Wesley Fofana, who's been absolutely brilliant. And he's only a couple of years older than William Saliba. So it does make you wonder, Marley, the inconsistencies there between someone who's come from the same club, who's a similar age, who's slotted into the Premier League absolutely perfectly, and then someone like... Um, uh, Saliba, who's not really had an opportunity. Yeah, it's um, I'd, I'd be fuming if I was San Etienne and watched um, you know, get get the money for Saliba, and then had him on loan. I think Arsenal Arsenal stopped Saliba from playing in the um the French Cup final. I think it was uh, last season because it it dragged on till after coronavirus was, uh, you know, after the French league restarted and they they played the cup the the cup competition, um. And then it was like, so Sanitin are almost like, okay, fine, you know, he has to go and he can go and establish himself in the Premier League. And then they're looking on, and two in two years they've had Saliba go and then not do anything, and then Fafana go and prove that they can produce good talent, and mm. they're left there with no defenders all of a sudden. But um, that it is what it is with football. I mean, they'll be probably fuming that they couldn't get him on uh, back on loan, uh, Saliba with. With Arteta not fancying him, and I don't think he's even been in in the squad for the last couple of games. So, mm. you know, was is it not better to, to loan him out? Um, I heard something about I think he, he, his mother might have died or something. So I think it, it might if, if it's if mother, it's a yeah. personal yeah if, if it's a personal thing I can understand um, why he's sort of not been involved yet. But I hope he can he can get involved at some point because he does look a, a good defender and you don't know what you've got until you try them and. I'm pretty sure Arsenal would rather try. Arsenal fans would rather try Saliba than um, know what they're gonna get with with someone like Mustafi, who they they clearly don't fancy and isn't the most popular player at mm. uh, at the club. So I hope hope he can turn it around from here. But uh, we'll, well, time will tell. I suppose we'll have to see. I'll have to make a quick correction. Wesley Fofana is actually also 19, the same age as William Saliba. So, I mean, there you go. There's the kind of differential between the two, both from the same club, both the same age. One getting a chance at, you know, a Europa League chasing side in Leicester and the other one also, you know, with a top club in England, not really getting the opportunity. So, yeah, as you say, Marley, it's certainly one to watch for the future. As for Leicester, Matt, that's their best start now to a league season since 2001. So getting on for 20 years. Last season, they were Champions League contenders, at the final hurdle after losing to Manchester United on the last day ended up finishing fifth are they definite Champions League contenders this season now after this that's that it's their best start to a season for 19 years they look good they've got their injuries but they're still managing to come through it and beat good sides like Arsenal are they certainly Champions League top four contenders now I don't think certainly 
I think last season we were saying the same thing, especially like this time last year, they, mm. they panned Southampton 9-0 and everyone was singing <laughs> the praises and they were second in the league for, for for quite a while. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was a post-lockdown um, and they, just, they started dropping a load of points and then they finished fifth and they didn't get the Champions League. So I think it's just going to be a consistency thing with Leicester. I'm not going to get over the top with them. I'm just going to take it game by game with them. Um, they've got to keep certain players fit in the side for them to um, to have a, a good run of form. The Europa League as well might have a detrimental effect on the uh, the league season for them because it's obviously more more games for them to play. And are they going to throw um, are they going to th- throw dregs into one basket with that? Because mm. they want Champions League football. One of the ways to get in the Champions League is by winning the Europa League. So maybe if uh, the league form starts taking a little bit of a dip, maybe they start going, right, well, we know that top four isn't really a realistic option anymore. Why don't we just go for the uh, the Europa League? I remember United doing it a few years ago and they won it. And then they ended up getting the Champions League through it. So it's just going to be one of them with Leicester. I'll take it game by game. And a fantastic result for them yesterday. Brendan Rodgers, brilliant manager. I've got a lot of respect for him. And they've got Jamie Vardy who's banging in goals left, right and centre. Um and yeah, he, as long as they keep him in form and keep certain players fit, mm. I think I, I think I think they'll be up there. But I'm not, I'm not going to get carried away with them just yet. Yeah, there were question marks over whether Jamie Vardy would be fit enough for the Arsenal game or not. Talking about Leicester's injuries, Suyuncu injured, Pereira still yet to come back for them. So the way that they managed to get a result against Arsenal at home as well, where Arsenal are notoriously stronger than they are on the road, certainly shows their credentials in terms of chasing for a European spot. But back to Jamie Vardy, um, 11 goals now in 12 games against the Gunners. After the game, Marley, Brendan Rodgers called him world class now we've mentioned on the podcast before he's definitely one of the best Premier League strikers we've seen in the last probably 10 years of Mm. the league is he world class is that a step too far from uh, Brendan Rodgers is he inflating the ego of Jamie Vardy a little bit more or has he certainly got a case Uh, I think he's got a case Um, I think his goal record speaks for itself Um, 108 or is it 109 now? 109 last night, mate. Yeah. There you go, 109 in 215. Came into the league at the age of 26, something like that. So late late in his career compared to some of the other strikers. And he's like sixth or seventh on the all-time Premier League list of top scorers. And I don't think you can get into that list without being world-class at, at some stage of your career. And I think maybe we might have seen Vardy's peak a couple of years ago, but... He's still he's still in the top three scorers of every every season that he plays. He's always getting, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty plus goals a season. Um, if you ask any defender in the world, I reckon they they would hate to play against a player like him. Yeah, a guy who as soon as his one of the guys in his team gets the ball, he just spins and runs, and it's like defenders hate going backwards defenders hate chasing after strikers who just don't stop and you know his crazy diet of Red Bull and flipping <laughs> cheeky vimp or whatever else yeah WKD WKD yeah he's keeping that <laughs> yeah, shopping it, business it, that you're on about it works it works for him he's, uh, he's he's an exception to the rule isn't he Vardy you know people say he's you know you, the the diet and stuff's everything and how you look after yourself and he's been down in in non-league doing doing all kinds of things eating chips on the bus and uh, on on the way to games and things like that and then coming into the league late and just ripping it up i think is for me he's one of the he's he's in the top conversation for one of the top strikers of of all time in the premier league because no one else has done what he's done 
um, at, at a thing. And I, I just think if you, if you give him six more years, like if he was in the um, Premier League at the age of 20 rather than 26, mm. what mm. could he have done? What could he have... Yeah. You know, how many goals could he have scored? Because he's on 108 in, in five years. That's 20 a season. So if you mm. put another 20 goals a season for another four, five, maybe even six years, that's 200 plus goals. That's Rooney territory. So yeah. Could I be mean, catching up to your boy, Shaver, eh? I wouldn't go that far. I think, I think anyone that wears chap get banged on the shin pads is got to be talked about as world class. <laughs> I'm not having it. I'm sorry. Did, you, did anyone see that? Did, 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 did anyone see that? <laughs> I couldn't believe it when yeah. I saw that. He's worn. He's worn for years as well. He's had him for a few years. Then I couldn't imagine Jamie Vardy <laughs> ever punching anyone in the face. Just like he's so feeble, isn't he? Like he's got no, no meat oh, on him. He's got, I've seen more meat on a seagull's kneecap than Jamie Vardy. But you know, <laughs> there we go. Anyway, talk about the quality of the man. Yeah, absolutely. I personally don't think he's quite world class. The way I kind of determine it would be if there was like a world eleven, a twenty-five man squad. I don't think he'd get in uh, ahead of some of the other strikers in the world. But certainly, if there was a Premier League sort of top mm. side he would 100% get into that team so yeah I mean I don't think that's any slight on him because if you look at the stats only the players currently playing that are ahead of him in terms of Premier League goal scoring Romelu Lukaku of course isn't in the league anymore Jermaine Defoe who's obviously at Rangers not in the Premier League Sergio Aguero and Harry Kane they're the only four players that are ahead of Jamie Vardy that are still playing the game at this moment in time so certainly a chance for him to surge up those Premier League record goal scoring rankings so Leicester City beating Arsenal by a goal to nil last night great win for Brendan Rogers side before we go to a quick break here on Football Social Daily a bit of sad news to mention and I thought it was only right to mention this on today's podcast now there's a young player called Jeremy Whiston who sadly decided that he was going to take his own life earlier this week he was just 17 years of age now he was a former Manchester City Academy player uh, and was actually released by the club so I wanted to ask you guys, um, first of all, you know, this is terribly sad news and I think we all agree that, but I wanted to ask, do you think more should be done, Marley, perhaps, to protect young players when they are released from professional clubs, certainly released from the dream that they've been living for the last three or four years as an academy player or a scholar, and then they're kind of released into the wide world and they're kind of forced to forge their own path to becoming professionals, whether that be in, you know, the EFL or abroad or whatever it might be. But as a 17-year-old, it certainly feels like, you know, that can be a lot of a, a lot of your dreams kind of crushed in a short space of time. With the way the world is at the moment and the focus on mental health, I think it's important to mention that maybe some of these young players do need a little bit more support when things like that happen to them. Uh, yeah, I think... I think you raise you raise a good point. I think obviously it's it's terribly sad that the the lads decided to to take his own life. Um, I think with yeah, there, there probably should be more support because if you if you look at the amount of time um, players that don't make it and the well the amount of players that get released at a young age, it's a horrendously high amount. If you think about um, you know underage groups at clubs they they're massive because teams just they they snap everyone up and it's it's like it's like fishing in a sea like they they just catch all the fish and they pick out the best ones and the best ones make it you know make the money and the rest get just let back into the sea but there's been there's been so many literally countless examples of players still making it um, we, I mean, we just talked about Vardy. He went to yeah. a flipping Sunday league sides in Stock, Stockbridge Park Steels, who were literally a part-time 
barely even part-time club, you know, having to pay the subs and stuff like that, pay the referee, you know, <laughs> every week. And he yeah. worked his way back up all the way from there. So I think people have to realise, and, and maybe it's on some sort of governing body, to provide players with support that it isn't the end of the journey um, especially when you look at you know it being at Man City and the the strike rate of of players coming through the academy is isn't none um, but it isn't massive and you look at you know players look at like Tosin Adara Bayoyo he's just gone to Fulham like he, he's done his time mm-hmm. he didn't he didn't quite make it but he, he had his he had his loans and things like that he didn't give up um, there's there's countless players that have made it without making it the first time round. It's about mm. um, you know keeping your head up. And I understand that it at, at such an impressionable age and at a young age like that, it does feel like the end of the world. Mm. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't have to be. And I think you, governing bodies could probably do a lot more to. Um, to help players and and to open their eyes and say you know look at look at Vardy he was playing against flat fat blokes from down the pub and six years later he's got 109 Premier League goals and you know all the rest of it and he's 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 doing that and then there's there's other players and it's just it's sad that he's that he's chose um, this this path and I think with I mean some of the reportings winding me up that they're yeah. kind of pinning it on Man City a little bit yeah. like oh he, he was depressed because he left Man City I think it's nobody, really important nobody knows that. what's going on in his life no like there's there's gonna be more than that there's gonna be more than you know just oh I didn't make it at Man City like he could have had anything going on, and the reporting's kind of winding me up a little bit. Yeah. Um, trying to pin a death on 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 a club, which is um, just sickening, to be honest. But I mean, the point remains. You, you, hopefully, kids can get the support they need if if they yeah. fall out of the um, the um, the system at an early age. I mean, even Vardy's continue. This is going to become the Jamie Vardy podcast if we're not careful. But <laughs> he's got a. Um, He's got an academy. He's called it the V9 Academy, and it's four players that have um, that fall out, that get released by clubs at, at an early age, and he's basically trying to get the best of the lads that don't make it at under 16s, under 18s, that that kind of age, and give them another chance, like he didn't have. He had to go all the way down, so he's trying to catch them in this V9 Academy to. Um, to give them another chance earlier on, like so he, they don't have to go and play, you know, at Stocksbridge and then Halifax and then Fleetwood and then uh, on to Leicester. So mm. um, it's it's something like that that maybe we need a bit more of, and and maybe it needs to be a, a bit more publicised because, you know, once you don't make it at seventeen, it doesn't mean you can't make it at, at, at twenty or twenty three or twenty seven or, or even mm. thirty. So I mean, hopefully another, they can sort that out. Another good example would be Ian Wright who's one of the record all-time goal yeah. scorers, much like Jamie Vardy, who was kind of given up on a career of being a professional footballer and then ended up signing for Crystal Palace. Uh, again, a similar route, was playing Sunday League, scored loads of goals, and then that was his route into the game. And now look at the success he's made of himself as a as now a pundit and, of course, before that, a professional player. I'm glad you mentioned about the fact that reports are suggesting that Manchester City and releasing him from the academy was the reason that he's taken his own life. Now, we don't know the reason that Jeremy Whiston has taken his own life. It's really a tragic story, but it's unfair to pin that on Manchester City because as you say, Marley, you don't simply do not know what actually the other circumstances might have been. It just happens to be that that was something that happened to the young man 
in the last few weeks or so or months or so and that might have contributed but we don't know for sure what the actual no. reason was and we won't ever know but you know you mentioned about more possibly being done by a governing body Marley do you think the PFA could perhaps do something Matt because although these players aren't professionals because they've not signed terms on a professional contract do you think the PFA could still possibly do something to step in and put some protocols in place to help some of these youngsters well, they've got the means to do so, haven't they? They've got they've got enough money to to do these things. I don't think mental health gets looked at enough in terms of football. And like you were saying before about um, people jumping to conclusions and saying it was um, Man City's fault that he's he's done this. Like that's it's typical nowadays, isn't it? Like trial by social media. Do you know what I mean? If it's sure. on social if it's on social media and people saying it's true, oh, it's got to be true. No, that's not the case. And I do think that there should be something in place from the PFA to help these these young lads if it doesn't cut doesn't happen for them if they don't if they don't cut it and getting in um, a professional contract something just to help them along the way maybe show them that it's football isn't the be all and end all of life it's not it's not obviously it's a massive thing for them it's their dream it's 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 what they want but sometimes it just doesn't happen and sometimes it's just not meant to be so maybe there should be something in place where they they just this this it them down and they go look lads we know what's happened and it's it's not it's not great news for you but we need to show you now that this it's been doing stuff like that and he might be used as an example now this this young lad unfortunately maybe he he will be the catalyst to 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 get the pfa involved with this and maybe it will save a lot more young lads lives moving forward because it it is tragic and it's um, unfortunately something tragic like this sometimes needs to happen in order for something to be done about it Mm, yeah it shouldn't take someone's life to be lost for that to be the situation but as you mentioned matt often that is the case and also you know something that i only learned in recent years was that when players are released at the end of their contracts professional players that is they actually get a month's wages a month's sort of grace so for instance if they're released in june they get paid for the month of july as kind of like a, a, a almost a mini parachute payment to that player to enable them to kind of have something to work off for a month whilst they try and work towards finding a new club so certainly there are nuances of the game and sort of little mechanisms of the game behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see on the surface and i think sometimes it's important to bring those to light in order for people to understand a little bit more sometimes the difficulties of life as a professional footballer there's a lot of people that say these players get paid a lot of money and they're spoiled and all the rest of it but it can be a lonely existence as a professional footballer and I think it's important to to remember that from time to time so most certainly rest in peace Jeremy Whiston um, terribly sad news the young player taking his own life at the age of just 17 right next up here on Football Social Daily we're going to talk about the Premier League games that are taking place tonight Brighton versus West Brom and Burnley against Spurs we'll do it next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates, and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. I've got Matt and Marley alongside me. And time to talk about tonight's Monday Night Football, where there's two games taking place in the Premier League. The weekend's certainly not over if you're a Brighton or West Bromwich Albion fan, because that's where we're going to start at the MX Stadium. Now, we've kind of not wax lyrical about Brighton Marley but we've certainly given them plenty of plaudits in the last few weeks for the way that they've played they've played well Graham Potter's got them playing a good brand of football excuse excuse the cliche but they have had a tough start they've not won many games or picked up many points currently 16th in the Premier League table 
They take on the side below them tonight in the table in West Bromwich Albion. They have to turn this opportunity into a win. They have to turn it into points, surely, um, to kind of amend for the fact that they've had a tough start. Yeah, I mean, we've we've spoke a lot about um, how Brighton are, are, uh, are playing quite well and, you know, we, we like watching them as a neutral kind of thing because they play the right way and Lamptey looks exciting and all the rest of it. But I think I mentioned a, a few weeks ago that they're still 16th like they're playing well and they're still 16th and it's kind of like that's Brighton's problem they always I think they finished 15th the last two years in a row and now they're 16th and and they are better they are a better side than that but they don't get the results that their style and their sort of standing around neutral fans um, deserves kind of thing so they're good enough to to play, you know, decent, decent stuff. They look threatening at times. They give Chelsea problems on the opening day before conceding a, a worldy goal from from uh, Reese James and getting getting beat three one in the end. And you know they've they've got more than what it takes to to finish sort of fifteenth. They've got enough to finish sort eleventh, of twelfth, quite comfortably. Like be be clear of of any trouble at the end of the season but they need to start picking up points um, especially against teams that they should be and tonight West Brom at home for them is is a must win game because if you start to lose points there it's kind of like for me then you'd be thinking well it's the same old stuff like how can we not pick up points against yeah. relegation fodder basically so uh, it's time for Brighton to start you know putting two or three past West Brom not giving them any respect and saying right you know you're here you're new to the league you're in poor form mm. you know you're clearly not good enough and we're gonna we're gonna pass round you have 70 percent possession and score two or three goals and you're not gonna get a kick of the ball so i think brighton are good enough to do that they just need to actually go and do it now yeah i totally agree with that sentiment absolutely i think brighton really need to send a message to the rest of the league particularly those sides in the bottom half of which they've not played too many of just crystal palace and of course that was a derby game so you can even sort of excuse that they need to send a message to those sides around them in the league that they have improved and they are going to be a force to be reckoned with this season they've got some really good players um and i think they sort of don't want to be seen as the next norwich city who came up last season and played a a decent brand of football under daniel farker with some exciting players but they just couldn't get any results and Brighton can't afford to do that particularly as you say against the West Brom side who are also searching um, for their first win of the season Danny Welbeck though could play for Brighton actually Matt he scored two goals in 18 games for Watford last season which isn't the best record of course he's had his issues with injury over recent seasons he's 29 years old now Graham Potter says he's still got a lot to offer would, would you agree with the Brighton boss do you think Welbeck's still got a little bit to show in the Premier League or do you think his time might be over Absolutely, I think he's still got a lot to offer. It's just whether he remains injury-free or not. That's just been the story of his career. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching him come through the ranks at United, and he, he scored in some some big big games for him. And he was he was a starter on a regular basis under Fergie, and then um, he, he moved to Arsenal on a, on a deadline day, and then it, it, everything just seemed to sort of like sort of go downhill from there. He he made a comeback. I think it was in the fifteen sixteen season. He scored on his comeback against Leicester. Yeah, and it was a last. It was a it was a last minute winner, and everyone was thinking this is going to be his revival now. And then, it, and then there's, there's another injury, and then he gets moved on somewhere else. And his his record at international level, every time I can remember, every time he played for England, he scored near enough most of the time there. So yeah. he's he's, he's definitely he's definitely he's definitely got the quality, Danny Welbeck. It's just the case of whether he can stay injury free, and. In a Brighton side that, that does have the quality to, to feed him goals and to, to give him the service that he needs, 
he, he can thrive there and he's got a decent manager there under Graham Potter who will mm. put an arm around him who will tell him that he is good and who will give him the confidence that he needs to establish himself as a, as a decent Premier League striker again but mm. it's just again that, that injury thing with him what's his next injury going to be how long yeah. is it going to keep him out for I think that'll be the key for him now he just needs to keep himself fit Danny and I think I think he'll be fine then yeah I think it's actually mad to think that he's touching 30 now such was the way he kind of exploded onto the scene as you mentioned and funnily enough does that kind of make him an experienced striker now Matt considering he has spent a few years out on the sidelines with injury if you think about the kind of Glenn Murray role he's gone on loan to Watford for the season so that kind of 35 36 year old experienced striker in the club is that kind of Danny Welbeck's responsibility now to take on that mantle and kind of act as a senior player amongst the striking unit Absolutely. Um, he's 29. That's now sort of his, his, his peak now. The only way he can go from there is like sort of like he can only go on the decline in terms of his form. Um, but with the experience that he's had on and off the pitch, I think he, he can he can be that experience that some of the younger lads need in that squad. He's been at some, some world-class clubs. He's played, in, he's played in Champions League games. He's played at international level. So he's definitely got that experience there that, 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 can, that can benefit the other strikers at Watford and the other players at Watford. He's, he can help players maybe that are, are going through a little bit of an injury crisis as well, you know, off the pitch, maybe give them some tips and a few pointers. I, I, do, th- I do think he has got a lot to offer Danny Welbeck and I think he's, he's just been dealt a really, really bad hand in terms of mm. his, 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 um, his, how injury prone he's been in his career. Yeah, definitely. I certainly think that we might see Danny Welbeck at least get some sort of game time tonight for Brighton and Hove Albion. As for West Brom, we shouldn't ignore them, Marley. They're still looking for their first win, as I said before. Can they get something? I think that they're one of those sides that look good enough to string together a few results in a season, but probably not quite good enough to then get enough points to stay up. And of course, the 40-point mark is the is the benchmark, really, for clubs looking to stay in the Premier League. Do you think they can get something against Brighton and Hove Albion tonight? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they can, um, purely for what we were talking about before. I mean, you know, if Brighton don't, if Brighton show them too much respect, I think there's there's a game to be had. I think you can you can rough them up, um, get in the face a little bit, and disrupt that sort of pretty possession based kind of um, style. If you uh, if you put yourself about a bit, um, if you make it a, a sort of a typical English style cliched game of you know blood and guts and all the rest of it. I think they can they can do something. Um, I've I don't have much confidence in in West Brom staying up. I don't think I've seen anywhere near enough from them from what I've seen in the first uh, five or so games. But what I would say is, if you're going to stay up, you have to be beating teams like Brighton and yeah. Brighton. If and Brighton have to be like exactly what we said before, Brighton have to be hammering West Brom if they want to go places and teams like West Brom. But West Brom are going to probably write off getting any results against the top six. I know they they got that point against Chelsea, which is kind of a bonus. But they're going to look at teams like. Burnley, West Brom, Newcastle, um, the other promoted teams, and say, right, we've got to really target these games, home or away, and we've got to we've got to beat them, and we've got to go and, and go and get points because, you know, the season isn't as long as you think it is. You can't you can't have a, a six month settling in period because you've cut adrift at the bottom of the league. So you have to go and beat teams like Brighton, um, and Brighton will feel like they've got to send a message to the rest of the league, like I said before, and. It's it's one of them. You can't you can't let it pass pass you by and say, "Oh, Brighton were too good for us." Because if Brighton are too good for you and they finished fifteenth in the last couple of years, 
then what does that say? That say you, yeah. you know, you might be better than the 16th and 17th best teams in the league if you want to stay up. So mm. it makes no sense to to not have a go at them. You got to you got to throw everything at this game and really really target it and get your season uh, on track quickly. They'll know that they have the quality. Whether they put that into practice against Brighton is another matter. That game a 5:30 p.m. kickoff tonight, and West Bromwich Albion eyes will also be on the game at Turf Moor, where Burnley take on Spurs later on in the evening. Because Burnley, of course, are also in the relegation zone. Tottenham, meanwhile, are in the bottom half themselves. They've slipped to 11th after they haven't played over the weekend. Their game, of course, tonight against Burnley. So my question would be this. Should Gareth Bale start for Tottenham, Matt? Is that a wise thing to do against one of the more physical sides in the league, particularly with Gareth Bale's injury record in recent seasons? It depends on which way you look at it. Do you, do you wrap him in cotton wool and just save him for the, the games where it's not going to be physical or do you put him out there mm. and put him on the pitch for what he's meant to do, which is go out and win these type of games? Bale, we all know, has got the quality just to, to take the game by the scuff of its net. Maybe not so much nowadays, yeah. but he's still got that quality there. He's not got the pace that he used to have, but he's still got that quality. He's still got that footballing brain that can, can can just produce that little bit of moment and magic to win games at Turf Moor. We all know how hard it is to go to Turf Moor. Tottenham will struggle tonight in places and they will have to fight if they are going to win that, that three points. Mm. I, think they, I think they have to start Bale. If he's fit, why not start him? If he's fit, why not start him? If he feels well enough in himself to play that game tonight, why not start him? What, what's yeah. the worst that can happen? You put players out on the pitch, there's always going to be a risk of an injury to any player when you put them out. So why not just start him? Because he could be that catalyst tonight that they need, that little bit of something different that they need. Because Burnley, this squad have never came up against him before, have they? He's, he's not been in the Premier League for a few years now. They might not know what to expect from him because the Gareth Bale that we knew in the Premier League is gone now. He's a different player. He's, yeah. He tends to be a bit, little bit more centralised now. And Listen, his, his goal-scoring record for Madrid wasn't bad, you know? And he, he has he has lost his pace like I said but he has, he has still got that quality and he's still got that eye for goal mm. so I think tonight I think they should start him 100% and especially after the game against West Ham where he was 3-0 up and then obviously they threw it away it's a must win tonight for Tottenham Tottenham have to go there tonight and Tottenham have to win because they were talking about oh Tottenham could be t- um, considered title challengers this season no they're not no, they're not. I don't. I don't think they are. Not. 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 Not in a million years because they're, they're too inconsistent. Yeah. They're too inconsistent when it matters the most. So if they've got any chance of, of hoping for a top four finish, which I think is realistic for them, then they've got to go to places like Turf Moor and get the three points. And they might have to fight for it tonight. But then so be it. Bale needs to start tonight for me. I think if he doesn't start, I, I'll be a bit disappointed. Yeah. Certainly, you mentioned that kind of on face value you'd look at this and think oh Spurs will beat Burnley easy but the last three results between the sides have been one win apiece although the Tottenham win was a 5-0 victory and also a draw over the last three Premier League games between the two so it might not be as easy for Tottenham as some people are making out for Jose Mourinho though do you think he should start Bale what's your take on it Marley? Uh, I well put it this way if Phil Bardsley starts then don't start Bale because he's going to get booted all the way down that left flank all, <laughs> all night long Um do you know what? I'd I'd still keep him from the bench. Um, I don't think he's he's probably not fully fit yet. Um, in terms of Premier League fitness, uh, if you look at he came on last week, didn't he against Man United? Um, and sorry, not Man United. Who did they play last time? West Ham. He nearly scored West as well, didn't he? he? Came on yeah, and had that chance. And that's just the missed. one. Yeah, he, sh- he, sh- he should have finished that. To be fair, um, but I think I w- I would keep him from the bench. Um, he's a real sort of if you see Bill coming off the bench, you're thinking, "Oh, for God's sake!" I've just, you know, I've been trying to 
marks on for 65 minutes and you see Bale coming on for the last 25, I think it can have that psychological thing of of taking a lot of um, pressure off the other guys because all of a sudden they kind of forget about the other guys because they're thinking, oh, Bill, we've got to we've got to cope with Bill now, and then Kane gets a bit more space, and Son might get a bit more space, and mm. I think just as, as an impact sub at the minute, I would I would have him uh, on the bench, but so he's certainly going to play a part, and and Burnley uh, Burnley got to do well to to cope with with Spurs tonight because even though Spurs are in the bottom half, I think they, they could go fifth tonight, so it's not exactly they're not exactly cut and dry, and they've scored I think eleven goals in the last couple of games, so it's um, it's not like they're I don't think they're in the worst of form, so it's uh, it's one of them where you've got to you've still got to cope with Son, Kane, Bill, Bergvine, Ali if he plays. They're still a quality side, so I think leave leave Bill on the bench, bring him on as a sub. Um, if the starters can't get the job done, bring him on and and hope he hope he can change the game because he still had an impact against West Ham, like like we just said. So mm. uh, it's it's clearly there for him and and bringing him on against a tired Burnley might be might be the way forward. Time for another break here on Football Social Daily. Afterwards, it's time for Floodlight Focus and the attention switches to Liverpool, the champions of the Premier League. And to talk all about the Reds, we'll be joined by Keith from the LFC Day Trippers podcast. And no doubt Virgil van Dijk will be on the agenda. We'll see you after this. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. the latest Premier League news for your team just ask Open Sport Social Welcome back to Football Social Daily it's the part of the show where we do Floodlight Focus which is where we take a look at one of our 20 Premier League sides and today it's the turn of the Premier League champions Liverpool and to talk all about the Reds with us here on the podcast we've got Keith from the LFC Day Trippers podcast Keith how are you going mate? Good, good and yourself lads? Yeah, very, very well. Cheers. All good here. It has been the massive story in the last few weeks, and that is to do with Virgil van Dijk and the injury that he picked up in the Merseyside derby a couple of weeks ago. That horror challenge from Jordan Pickford. I think we're all in agreement here on Football Social Daily that Pickford should have been sent off. He probably should have been retrospectively banned, and it wasn't a good tackle. What's the kind of feeling around Virgil van Dijk and, and, and everything that's gone on and the fact that he's going to be out for a while? Does that really feel that Liverpool are now a much weaker side or do you still feel that you can go and get results with the ease that you've been able to do the last two seasons? Certainly not with the ease we've been doing it. Um, I think van Dijk would be a huge loss for any team, you know, not, not just Liverpool. I think that the standard of player and the transformation that he's done to the team is absolutely massive. But the thing is now, this will show what, what Liverpool are made of, what Klopp has built there and whether there's a, a team there that can take on the mantle without Virgil van Dijk's leadership. Um, there's a lot of abuse, a lot of, not a lot of abuse, I'd say there's a lot of negativity around Liverpool, within Liverpool fan base that we are, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that. Well, now we'll see what Klopp is made of because personally, I think it's a... It's, uh, it's it's a problem that we have to overcome, but I think we can do. And the key thing, with, as with any team, is you keep your other players fit. And while losing Van Dijk was a, a, an absolutely huge blow, to get Alisson back is softening that blow somewhat. Mm. Because Adrian was causing problems. Without being too harsh on Adrian, <laughs> it, it's the, the, the panic that he breeds into the players in front of him was the big issue there. And... Well, you have Fabinho slotting into the centre half position. He, he's a fine. He's a, he can deal with that no problem. But if you have Adrian at the back, 
it just breeds that little bit more panic among the players and the fan base if you saw the Ajax game uh, in the early stages Adrian runs out and really cleans out Joe Gomez when Gomez looked to have the ball under control you know so mm. he, he was a bit of a head case and it's it's having Alisson back I think is cushioning the blow of Lewis and Virgil do you think that Liverpool could use the Van Dijk injury as an excuse um, because it has come so early into the season. For instance, if Liverpool don't perform to the levels that they want to this season, you know, the, the task will obviously be to retain the title, go deep into Europe, as always is the case with Liverpool. So do you think that some supporters might point the finger at that moment and say, oh, well, we didn't have Van Dijk for the whole season, therefore we're kind of excused from, from not performing? Yeah, I think some people will. I don't think you can, to be honest. I think if you are... Um an elite club Liverpool are an elite club now you know you have to withstand the loss of any player now as I said Van Dijk is a huge loss and it's hard to compare the loss of Van Dijk with other players um, other teams in the Premier League you know the significance of losing a player of that stature and quality it really is difficult um, to compare people try to say Laporte at Man City but you know he, he wasn't the same um, he didn't have the same impact as Virgil Van Dijk he's an excellent player but he just didn't have that that impact I think Liverpool you know the fans as I said there will be a bit of feel sorry for themselves but you just have to get over that you know you just have to get over that Klopp is a great great manager he's a great motivator and what I can see happening now is Joe Gomez who's had a very rough time himself Joe Gomez will be told look you're the leader of this defence now let's see what you can do and I think it's a big moment for Joe Gomez's Liverpool career and I'm a big fan of Gomez He's still a very young centre-back, but this could be the the moment he needs to step out of Virgil's shadow, maybe, and take on a leadership role. Mm, yeah, I mean, you talk about getting over it, and I'm glad you've said that, because there's been a lot of narrative on social media and, you know, even some mates down the pub, not that they're open now, of course, at the moment for us yeah. here in Manchester, but, you know, about a kind of how it's almost like people have treated it as if there's been a... You know, like he's died or something like that. You know, we saw Memphis Depay with a message of support under his shirt when he scored for Lyon last night. I mean, do you, I understand the disappointment of the loss of Van Dyke, but do you think some people are taking it slightly too far? Because you talk about the character of the player himself. He's a bit of a machine. I mean, he's going to come back probably sooner than people expect and he's going to come back with a purpose. So do you think that has been a little bit over the top, some of the reaction to his injury? Uh, in some ways, yeah, I can, you know, it, it, look, he hasn't died. Thank, thankfully, and now <laughs> yeah, he's, he's 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 going to be coming back to football at some <laughs> stage. But the reaction to it, a lot has been, you know, I've seen some ridiculous comments from pundits and media saying, you know, Jordan Pickford should be banned for the length of time that Virgil Van Dijk is injured. Yeah. And look, that that's ridiculous, you know. And what happens then in social media, as you know yourself, social media circles, that then gets relayed that oh, Liverpool fans want Jordan Pickford banned. Yeah. And, you know and it's not you know the, the Liverpool fans I talk to it's certainly not the case it's you know it, it the likes of Memphis to point taking off that t-shirt right he's a friend a close friend of Erdogan Dijk and the, the Dutch have also lost him you know it's not just Liverpool the Dutch have lost Van Dijk as well um, so that's a huge blow to them the leader of their team also so it's you know we've seen other teams have done this sort of thing you know, Man City have done it numerous times when players have been injured. Manchester United have done it. Um, I just, I'm sure you've seen all the pictures around social media. Teams maybe overreact to the loss of a player now. That it nearly is like like they've, they've died. You just have to get on. You, you can't you can't dwell on it. And look, I'm not having a dig at Manchester City here, but I felt last season that when Manchester City lost 
um, I'm Laporte that was an excuse and it's an excuse they used all season and it's an excuse that still gets sort of wheeled out you know that they've, they've assembled mm. a huge squad they've got Pep Guardiola who's an absolute genius of a football manager and they just let that be the excuse and people are using a parallel this season you know Liverpool went in with three centre-backs they used a midfielder to be the deputy at centre-back but there's sort of big differences there's big differences there than what I felt Man City were under immense pressure from Liverpool last year mm. and once the cracks started to show they just sort of fell apart now I'm going to say something now that could come back to point me, point me in the backside <laughs> here but this league is terrible this this season is going to be a bit of a mad one we're not looking at a Man City running off into the distance at the moment and realistically they're the team that Liverpool fans will look at as the the challenger no matter where they are at the moment Liverpool have had you know a 7-2 beating we've had our arses handed to us by Aston Villa mm. um, which was a freak result but we've had that we've you know had to look at Everton having a title parade after six games of the season as well <laughs> but after the dust has settled Liverpool are now joint top of the league you know and there's no other great side so if Liverpool can navigate through the next few weeks I think it's key to get through the next few weeks you know Joe Matip is made out of Kinder Bueno unfortunately and breaks down <laughs> at the slightest thing so if we can get Matip back in and an effective squad member over the next few weeks I think Liverpool will be fine I think you, you can't use excuses, you know. Well, Matt, you're a Manchester City fan. I'll give you the yeah. right reply there. Go on. <laughs> no, no, no. What I keep saying there is, is completely spot on. I think the Laporte thing was, was thrown around way too much last season. Look how much money we spent on defenders, especially, yeah? And we lose yeah. one defender and all of a sudden it's uh, our whole seasons fell apart. Look, this is why we build big squads. This is why we spend the money that we have is to build these big squads to account for when these injuries do happen because they do happen. And it's, it's proven last season with us with Laporte and it's proven this season us with, with Liverpool with Van Dijk. So it's just going to um, it's, it's gonna test Liverpool's resolve, no doubt, because he's a massive loss. He'd be a massive loss to any team, like Keith said. So it'll, um, it'll, it'll definitely make things a little more interesting from my perspective because, you know, when we lose um, a, a decent player, it's only going to work in Liverpool's advantage. But if Liverpool lose a decent player, it's only going to work in our advantage. So, you know, I, I wish Virgil all the best coming back from his injury because he's a fantastic player. I don't wish that on anyone, mm. not at all. Um, so, yeah, um, they've still they've still got some decent players. Liverpool, Fabinho can slot in at centre-half as well. So Fabinho slotted in at centre-half a few times for Liverpool. So I, I, th- I thought they'd be OK. And the, the win against Sheffield United over weekend was... Um, a big thing for them because there was let's be real Sheffield United had a, had a few decent chances in the game and they had a lot of the ball and they could have quite easily got away with a point there but they've still got quality players going forward Liverpool and as long as Liverpool still have them players going forward they'll, they'll be fine I think Certainly as Keith says it's been such a weird start to the Premier League season the table almost looks upside down got the likes of City Spurs Chelsea and Man United all sort of knocking around the bottom end of the table, or at least the bottom half. And then the top half of the table, you're looking at the likes of Leeds, Aston Villa, Everton, Southampton. It, it doesn't quite look right. But obviously, Liverpool are up there as well in terms of the top six sides in the Premier League. Liverpool are still n- knocking around those Champions League places and it's still very early on in the season. So on that basis, Keith, I suppose, I mean, what's the kind of perspective like surrounding the Champions League I've said on the podcast before that Liverpool have a love affair with that competition Um, the supporters absolutely adore the Champions League and rightly so considering they're six-time champions but is it more of a case of focusing on retaining the title 
Or is it more of a focus on maybe picking up even a seventh Champions League trophy? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a very unusual season. I'm sure everyone agrees that football in the empty stadiums, it's not really what we're all into. It's not what we all love. No, no. And it's it's having an impact on the players on the pitch. You know, there's, there's teams out there that, that absolutely thrive with the, the fans and Liverpool are one of them. You know, mm. there's no doubt about it. We, we, it, it, I hate the cliche of a 12th man and all that but it genuinely is with Liverpool and I think it's it's the big thing that will hold us back I, I'm glad last season when the league restarted that we only needed to sort of get one win or whatever to wrap it up because it had a detrimental effect on ourselves uh, and this season it'll be no different you know it's the Champions League and the, the league can Liverpool go on two fronts I think we've been lucky with the draw that we've had in the Champions League. I think, you know, we saw against Ajax, and I don't know if he's watched Liverpool against Ajax, but since the Van Dijk injury happened, Liverpool have showed a good steal and resolve, you know, that maybe we Liverpool fans didn't think would happen, you know, and again, I'll, I'll refer back to Man City all the time, and it's not a dig at them. They're the other elite club, in my opinion, in the league at the moment, and... I just think that Liverpool has shown a little bit of maybe having the stomach for the fight that maybe Man City didn't have. And I think, you know, if they can navigate through, they play Midland on uh, Tuesday night. Mm. And then we've got Atalanta, which is, you know, it's a, it could be a seven-all draw, that game. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a good side, machines. aren't they, Atalanta? They are a good side, and you, you can't underestimate them. But, you know, Liverpool got a win in Ajax. They got a, a, a home game now against the, the what would be the supposed whipping boys of the group. You know, if they can get off to a good start there, you can probably navigate through the Champions League group with mm. relative ease. And then you're just trying to churn through the league, right? So what Liverpool will ideally be looking at is come January... Where are we placed and do we need to strengthen? Now, mm. obviously, a centre back is where you need to strengthen, <laughs> and there's links, there's obvious links that are out there. And, and the name that keeps getting thrown out at Liverpool is Deo Upamecano from Leipzig, and yeah. it's strongly being linked that he's a player that Liverpool are looking at and we're going to look hard at next season. Now, he has a reduced buyout clause that kicks in next summer, and will Liverpool try and do business in January? We don't know. I think that's the key. If Liverpool can stay within, you know, in contention in both of them come January and strengthen, then mm. they're well placed. I think, you know, there's not many, no team in Europe will want to play Liverpool in the Champions League. Where are we there Anfield? You know, it's it's just one of those um, bogey teams. So we just have to wait and see how we can get at come January. I never thought I'd... Uh suggests that Liverpool might be missing Dejan Lovren but certainly it looks like it could be that way considering the way things have fallen at the uh, at centre-back yeah. for the Reds um, just a final one and I suppose this is kind of a question for you as well Matt you've mentioned City a couple of times there Keith yeah. are City and Liverpool now rivals is that a rivalry or is that Absolutely. something that's going to dissipate over time do you think that, that no. this will last over the next 10-15 years this rivalry between the two sides that's brewing do you know what? It's it's a current rivalry, I would say. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, I think you have to say, and look, I'm, it's easy for me to sit on a little prayer chair and say this, but they're the best two teams by a, by a far, far distance. You know, there's no other team that, that can come close to them because, you know, you can talk about Chelsea building up a squad with all these players and they still have Frank Lampard as the manager. You can talk about Man United constantly buying in, you know, these players, they still have Ole Solskjaer as the manager. Man City have Pep Guardiola and Liverpool have Jurgen Klopp and mm. you know you're talking about elite 
elite managers with elite squads. So it is a rivalry. It's it's not a historical rivalry, but it's no. a current rivalry. And it's one that, you know, they're the teams to watch. They're the teams to be. And I think that the thing with Liverpool, if Liverpool can, can do anything decent this season after the loss of Van Dijk, it's, it really is a, a sucker blow to everyone else because you know this last season Liverpool ran away with the league and there was a narrative from the start of the season you know we didn't sign anyone of note at the start of the season we lost mm. Alisson in the first game uh, Liverpool too many games they catch up with them no signings or catch up with them it didn't Liverpool have to go to the World Club in the middle of the season catch up with them uh, Leicester when they get back in, in uh, the King Power whatever that's called that'll catch up with them and it didn't and nothing caught up with them and this season it's Van Dijk's injured that'll catch up with them and if that doesn't catch up with them you know it's it's just another hammer blow to other teams and you know Man City I'll go back to Man City again because they are the big rival you know when City won the league two years ago we chased them and we got 97 points and they got 98 it was blow for blow it, it's sort of unprecedented you wouldn't see a title race like that of the elite calibre of those two teams that were going toe to toe and punch for punch and you can't afford a draw never mind the defeat that takes its toll you know that does take its toll and Liverpool, Man City maybe need to recharge Liverpool are there now but I can't see any other team sort of muscling their way into that that fight at the moment and I don't know if you agree or disagree but I just can't say I, I think there's too much strength in those two clubs well I think any team that finishes above Liverpool or City wins the league it's as simple as that yeah Um like Keith was saying, those two seasons, don't forget, we had 100 points the previous season before we got the 98. Yeah. So that's 198 in two seasons. Mm-hmm. I think at the moment, what's happening with us is, well, obviously, our few key players are getting a little bit older. We've lost David Silva. We've lost Vincent Company. Now, still, those are massive players to lose. I don't care how old they are. They're massive characters to lose in the dressing room as well. So what you could say right now is we might be going through a little bit of a transitional period. Yeah, we've still got a quality squad. We lost Aguero again over the weekend and we've lost Fernandinho, two massive players for us to lose. Liverpool have lost Van Dijk, massive player to lose. And the league this season is as looking as open as it's ever been. The fans in the stadium is going to make pretty much everything because like Keith was saying, going to Anfield with a cop, you know, right on you, you know, for 90 minutes. That is that is a daunting a daunting task for a lot of teams. It's, it's been a daunting task for City for like 16 years. We've not won there for 16 years. We crumble every time we go there. So it's going to make everything that little bit more that, that little bit more level on the pitch. So I think this season, if if there's going to be any shocks and any surprises, I think this will this will be the one 100. Yeah, certainly exciting times to come in the Premier League this season. Keith, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, mate. Thanks for your time to talk about the Reds. Where can people find more from the LFC Day Trippers podcast if they want to check you guys out? Yeah, you can get us on Twitter at LFC Day Trippers, um, and we have a YouTube channel as well. Get, look, not everyone's a Liverpool fan, I understand that, but we, we do good content there. We try to be fair and balanced. So if anyone fancies listening to reviews about Liverpool or you know such stuff like that, you can come on and catch us on that. It's the LFC Day Troopers, um, you get it on YouTube and on Twitter, and there's, there's we try to, like I say, we try to be as fair and, and as balanced as we can. Not all the time, I'm not on a lie, but you know we do our best, and that's where you can catch us. Top man, Keith. Cheers for your time. Nice thanks for Keith. having me, lads. And a big thanks as well to Marley Anderson. Cheers, Marley. Cheers, guys. Thank you. And a big thanks to Matt Pid too. Thanks, Matt. Nice one, guys. Don't forget, you can check out our Amazon Alexa and Google Home skills and also our brand new website, sport-social.co.uk. But that's it for now, and we'll see you on tomorrow's podcast. 
Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at The Sports Social. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.